LinkedIn News. Hey, it's Jesse bringing you another Thursday bonus episode from the newly launched LinkedIn Podcast Network. Now, the LinkedIn Podcast Network launched earlier this year with 10 shows, one of which is Hello Monday, the show that I hope you enjoy even a fraction as much as I enjoy. But the rest of those shows, well, they're also pretty cool. And I want to introduce a lot of them to you. And so every other Thursday this spring, I'm going to share an episode and introduce you to a host. This week, I have something special in store for you. I have a show called Winnie Sun's Yes Factor. Winnie Sun is our host. She's effervescent and dynamic. And in this episode, she speaks with Sharon Smith Akinsanya, who is the CEO and founder of Ray McKenzie Group. They talk about everything diversity, equity, inclusion, and just dynamic leadership. Enjoy the show and then find Winnie Sun and me on LinkedIn. From entrepreneurship to global business leadership, from challenges to self-discovery to our ever-changing future, what separates those who win and those who get passed by? This is The Yes Factor with Winnie Sun. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to The Yes Factor. I am Winnie Sun, your host. It is such an honor to be here with each of you. Thank you so much for making the time. We have a very special guest, and I can't wait to introduce you to her because, I don't know, have you even thought about if things could be a little bit different? Sometimes we feel like we're all alone and nobody quite understands what we're going through, and sometimes we feel like it has to be someone else out there like us who has sort of been in the same career as us or understands the challenges of our backgrounds and what we're going through on a day-to-day. And part of that conversation is the importance of diversity, having people that we can relate to, that we can talk about our challenges, maybe our family, maybe the how we grew up, maybe even the food that we ate. Well, today's guest is very special. I've invited Sharon Smith Arkansanya to share her wisdom with us and her warmth. You're in for a treat. Are you ready? Let's get started. Well, I'm so honored that you could make time to join us today. You're an award-winning diversity, equity, and inclusion marketing and strategy powerhouse. This is an award-winning firm that you're also the, the CEO and founder of. 20 plus years of experience advising Fortune 500 powerhouses, nonprofits, including U.S. Bank, Make-A-Wish, America, the NBA's Minnesota Timberwolves, Best Buy, Target, actually there's so many, so many companies that she advises and has advised. Uh, She's also authored the book, Colorful Competitive Strategies to Attract and Retain Top Talent of Color, a people-centered approach. And she shares simple actions that really are going to help us solve some complex issues. So Sharon, we have so much to talk about. When did you know that this was the career or best business or career advice that you received on where you are today? Oh, well, thank you for having me, Winnie. That was a wonderful introduction. I am honored to be here with you today to have this dynamic and very important conversation uh, about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and making sure that we are closing the wealth gap, you know? So Sharon, Sharon was born and raised really quick, you know, in uh, Kinloch, uh, which is a suburb of St. Louis, Missouri. So I was born and raised there and uh, with my mom and dad, and they, you know, they taught me the value of adding value. It was important for them to make sure that we understood it was important to be good friends, good stewards of community and really be kind. You know, we grew up in, 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 you know, where it was, uh, it was tough. 
You know, it was tough to be black. It's still tough to be black in America. But my uh, parents instilled in my brother and I that, you know, you can do and be whatever it is you want to be. And they wanted to make sure that we were in a place where we understood how to meet successful people because they knew that if we could meet successful people, then we would have a shot at moving on and up and having access to do the things that we need to do uh, in life. So when we used to practice in the living room how to meet what my mom and dad called the good white people. And so they would teach us, you know, how to say hello, how to shake hands, how to introduce ourselves uh, and that sort of thing. And so I decided that I wanted to really get into mass communications. Uh, and so, so I started as a salesperson uh, and working with top radio stations across the nation. And that's where I got the bug to really understand, you know, how marketers and advertising really worked in this nation. You see, I worked for the number one radio station in St. Louis, Missouri called KMJM Magic 108. We were the number one station, but when the audience was 100% African-American. 100% African-American. So we had to understand how to really get out there and understand how to build those relationships with advertisers to get them to give us money, right, mm-hmm. for uh, commercials. So here's the thing. We were the number one station, but we weren't getting the number one share of ad revenue. And I was really upset about that. So this was my first sort of brush with things aren't equitable where the money is concerned. And so I said, what are we going to do about this? And I had great mentors. And so that's when I really learned how to position package and present my brand with facts. And that is I had to understand consumerism, the power of the dollars. He understood that America works on consumerism. And I understand that if I understood that, you know, African-Americans spend, you know, millions of dollars on, you know, you know, on uh, food, on clothing, on groceries, whatever that product might be, if I can make my case, then I may be able to make a living uh, in sales. So that's where I got the bug at understanding that I've got to do a better job at educating corporations uh, how to really build authentic relationships with consumers of color and then ultimately um, top talent of color. So that's where I got my, that's where I got the bug. Well, Sharon, I love this story and thank you so much for sharing that with us, but it's so authentic and it's so real and it came from having really wise parents too. And your parents knew that they needed to teach you as a young person how to build relationships beyond people that you're familiar with, right? That you're accustomed to. You need to be able to reach people that look and sound and are of different background than you. So it, and really being smart about relationships. And then you took that to another level. I mean, that's so much to celebrate and to applaud because you knew even back then that things needed to change. So let's talk about this. I mean, you practice and you share a leading out loud methodology. And so I really want to learn about this, Sharon. I want to like basically take you and grab you and tell us what's in that brain. What is this and why is it so important? And what did you learn through this process? You know, I thank you for the question. You know, Winnie, you know this from being uh, financial financial expert that it takes 11 black households and their net wealth, net income, you know, and to equal the net wealth of one white household. That's a huge gap. That's inequitable. That's unfair. And so we all have to, to do a better job at making sure that we're closing the inequity, <laughs> the, the inequity gap. We have to make sure that we're doing that. When I talk about leading out loud, I mean CEOs 
and shareholders of major corporations. I'm asking them to decide to make a big difference. I'm asking them to decide what kind of world they want to live in. I'm asking them to decide and really think about what kind of world they want their children and grandchildren to live in. Do they want it to be a fair and equitable society? You see, they have the influence and the power to make real change. And so when you look at hundreds of years of systemic racism in this nation, there's a price to pay for that. And so we all have to band together to do a better job in making sure that things are fair. And that power, the influence, primarily lies at the top. So when I talk about leading out loud, those corporations, those CEOs, those shareholders, I'm asking them to take a stand and not just make pledges and promises, but really set goals and take action to do a better job in their own little corners of the world, in corporate America, in their neighborhoods, in their communities, to take a look at this and really examine what they can do to make the world and their workplaces a more equitable place. And they can take a look right in their C-suite. What does it, it look like? You know, we know that since Brown v. Board of Education in 1954, there's only been 20 Black CEOs of Fortune 500 companies in this nation. The first Black CEO was in 1987, <laughs> you know? And so, and here, you know, so we have to do a better job. It's not okay. And so when I talk about leading out loud, it really is for those who influence and have the power to take a look at where we stand as a nation, where they stand inside of their corporation and their workplace in terms of their DEI efforts and lean in and make a difference, decide, what kind of workplace they want, decide what kind of world they want to live in. Decide. I love that. And you know, something that you and I talked about before we even started on the show is why does this keep happening, right? It's now 2022 and it's still happening. Uh, still a very small percentage of diversity on in the C-suite and it continues to be the case. And you can't say, well, that's because there's a lack of talent. And you can't say that there aren't enough choices or that there aren't people interested in those positions because we know that to be not the truth. Right. We also do know, right, you have to not only make that pledge, but you have to take action, right? Where do we go look for talent? What sort of characteristics do we are we looking for? And can it be someone who doesn't look exactly like me? Once you get started, it's doable, right? Sharon, is that what you're saying? Absolutely. I mean, once we decide and once we know that we maintain our competitive edge, because Winnie, look, you know, we know what the demographic shift is, right? You know, we know that we will soon be a majority minority nation. So corporations really don't have a choice. They really are going to have to dig in and get this right because this is the future workforce. So they're gonna have to dig in, they have to get it right, and they're gonna to have to make sure they have internal and external experts to help them get it done. But here's where we start. You know, when I talk to CEOs across this nation and other leaders, I asked them a few questions. I asked them, I said, look, you know, who do you call for golfing? You know, who are your golfing buddies? Who are you having lunch with today? You know, who's on your Christmas list, you know, for the gatherings and for the gift? I asked them, who do you call when you want to celebrate? Who do you call when you're sad? You know, and if that list are just the same people that look like you, then I'm asking them to stretch. You see, it's not going to work if you don't have relationships with people who don't look like you. We hire who we know, Winnie. We refer who we know in many cases. And so when I talk about leading out loud, this is another component of that. Leading by example. You cannot go through this world and not have a friend that doesn't look like you. It's just, you just can't do it. And so not as a CEO and a leader at highest levels of the organization. So when you're taking that step and you're being inclusive, guess what? 
your leadership team models that. And then one thing leads to another. Then we have broader relationships. Then guess what? We expand those networks. So if you're friends with me, you not only get me, but you get my network, right? So then it's like, Sharon, do you know? It just flows, right? It's like how money multiplies. If you just start, right? And you keep it in there long enough and you start doing it, you know, you're going to have, you know, you'll be able to make a dollar out of 15 cents. And that's the same way it'll work when we start building these relationships. We must do that. We know that 75% of white people don't have authentic relationships with people that don't look like them. And I'm just asking something simple. It's not that complicated. Just start to change that because, see, that's how we get to know and have hard conversations in safe spaces with people we're friends with. You know, that's how we can ask questions, right, and get to know what's happening. and, And then we can move the needle forward. And, you know, so corporations and CEOs are going to have to get to know that talent because what's happening, Winnie, is we're asking really tough questions as we think about where we want to put our treasure. We're asking, you know, what are the diversity, equity, and inclusion goals of said corporation? Where's the link to the website where I can find that information? How do I know if they're keeping their pledges and promises? How do I know that if I decide to lend my treasures to that organization, whether or not I'll have the opportunity to advance and get promoted and maybe even land in the C-suite? So it is really important that that CEOs and leadership really understand that we're asking the tough questions and not just employees, but consumers, protective, uh, prospective employees, your current employees, consumers, and the media. Winnie, did you know there were 15 reporters that are dedicated to doing nothing but looking into whether or not corporations are keeping their pledges and promises? Not Not to be mean, but just to help the world, you know, be just 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 to be more transparent, because here's what we know. Transparency is the best disinfectant. <laughs> it's that honesty, that transparency, Sharon. We can't just be a stock photo on your website or your brochure. It can't just be a number on your statistics saying you have someone of a diverse background. But like you said, we're never invited to breakfast, never invited to lunch, never, you know, thought of except when it was necessary to show us as being a part part of that diversity figure. And I think that's sort of the challenge, but also a great opportunity. And so I'm really excited to welcome you to today's discussion for so many reasons. So I'm, I'm really glad that you're sharing this. And for those of you who may not know, February is also Black History Month. And so it's something that we should celebrate because this is really important. It's the second week of the month coincides with the birthdays of Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. Mm-hmm. But it's important to have these um, moments, but it's also important for us to be okay to talk discussions, right? They're not, they should be uncomfortable discussions. And I think Sharon, you said something earlier that I I definitely want to highlight and says you pick and you celebrate your allies too. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, listen, you know, we are in the middle of Black History Month and, you know, and that is why I am doing an all out effort on a campaign that we call the Black C-Suite and just reminding us, right, of what we have to celebrate, but also what work we have to do because we can do better when we all do better. And, you know, there are many corporations that are doing a great job out here, that are leaning out loud, that are making sure that they are putting their money where their mouths are. They're really not perfect, but being willing to be transparent and put those goals out there. Make sure that you have a link to that website to identify what is going on inside uh, of the organization. We just want 
a seat at the table. And when you have a seat at the table and you're building your own personal board of directors, it just makes you better as a leader. It makes you better as a corporation. It makes you a better corporate citizen because you just know more. You know, right now, we're in many cases, leaders are preaching to the choir. And we'll be right back with Sharon Smith Akinsana in just a moment. But many of them are taking my advice and the advice of others and really increasing that, I call it that personal board of direction, personal board of directors, that they can look over their shoulder and really make sure they're not stepping on those landmines. Because it's not anybody's fault, Winnie, that you can be white in America and just not have that access. And so, but what I'm asking is for those allies, and we have many of them, to continue to fight for access for others. Think about your own family and think about what you want for them. You want them to have access to the best because we don't know what we don't know. And when we think about hundreds of years of systemic racism, we're far behind as Black people and other people of color in this nation. And we need you to speak up and speak out and let us know what we don't know and how to figure out that path and how to get from here to there, to make it from here to the C-suite, to make it from here to that first home, uh, uh, for me to own my first home, for me to make sure I understand about savings and stocks and bonds. You know, I had, uh, had to have a conversation with my daughter to teach her how to negotiate stock options, right? And now she'll be able to negotiate, she'll be able to teach her daughter, right? You know, so you know about this, Winnie. So we have lots of allies out there that are really helping us with that information. We just need so many more. We need so many more, so many more. I love that. Well, Sharon, let me ask you this. Let's say you're working with a CEO or or maybe a C-suite executive and they say, Sharon, I don't know if my business needs diversity. What do you say to that? Oh, I just say, look, you're the boss and you get to decide what you need and you make that decision. But here's what I would say. If you do, your competition will absolutely leave you in the dust. You get to decide. I'm not going to convince you that you need to make sure that your company is reflective of the customers you serve and the employees that you have. I'm not going to try to convince you retaining your top talent of color is a good thing. I'm not going to convince you that your white employees will actually think it's a good idea that we diversify inside of our organization at all levels. That's too hard of a sell for me. I would just simply leave it and say your competition will absolutely leave you in the dust. And I feel badly for your employees because you're not going to remain competitive very long. Yes, because that's old thinking. And Sharon, it makes me excited because I feel like um, as we're you know looking at the next generation, like my kids are now Gen Z and younger, right? They actually absolutely understand the importance of diversity and embracing people that are different to them. They're being taught this. They their friends look different than them, um, and companies have a you know they have a really like you said are such an amazing opportunity. But that makes me hopeful and to think that well it's always been this way and therefore it's too much work to make it different. I think that is in some ways sad because that is missing such a, a bright opportunity to grow your business in a very positive way. Like you said, Sharon, you've talked about the importance of relationship, right? And it all comes down to that. It's not just profit. It's not stock price. It comes down to the relationship you have with your employees. It comes down to the relationship with that you have with your consumers. And consumers today are so smart. So Sharon, when you think about companies creating an equitable workplace, right? Mm-hmm. Share some ideal characteristics that you're seeing. What are things that are just like, you're like, wow, did anything surprise you that maybe worked even better than you would expect? 
I work with many corporations that are working very hard to create an equitable workplace. And some of the things that they're doing is really, you know, they're tying that the numbers, right? Diversity, equity, and inclusion to compensation, but not in a bad way. It's to motivate leaders to make sure that they know that they have to think about it, right? Because sometimes that can be taken the wrong way. You know, something like what happened to you? Like somebody got a a bonus because they hired a double minor. That's not a good thing. That's not what we're talking about here. (laughs) What What we're talking about is, you know, we have got to move fast, right? We've got to, we're behind, we got to move fast. We got to incentivize our leaders to really get out there because all of us are responsible for recruiting, you know, and there's a workforce shortage right now. So CEOs, many of them that I work with are starting to incentivize their leaders and hiring managers to really stretch and do a better job to get out there. And that seems to be working. And I'm teaching them how to roll that out so that it's not a negative, uh, so that it is an incentive because, you know, hey, you know, we get bonuses for other types of milestones, you know, that we have to do inside a corporation. So why not? And so, but there's a way to really roll that out. So that is one of the most important things that is being done to make sure that we're having a more equitable workplace as it pertains to promotion, as it pertains to hiring, as it pertains to inclusivity, as it pertains to additional opportunity and leadership opportunities throughout the organization. Well, Sharon, you know, we've talked about this too. And then, you know, there's always been that belief. I've always believed that in order to move forward, that we need to have a good sense of self-awareness, right? We've talked about that. And we need to know where the opportunities are for us personally to improve, like what our weaknesses are, where the opportunities lie, like how can we get better? But when you work with companies, what do you think are some common mistakes that you keep seeing corporations make that's an opportunity to change? Yeah, that's a great question, Winnie. Um, You know, I wrote a little bit about this in my book, Colorful. I, I, I talk about there's some blind spots. You know, when you've been doing something for so long, it's sometimes it's hard to see. So when you look inside of corporations, most of the recruiting teams and most of the communications teams are white. And so the recruiting teams are struggling with how to do a better job of starting to prospect, network, recruit, and ultimately hire talent of color because they are afraid of making a mistake. So the biggest mistake that I see corporations make is not to acknowledge directly that the people that are responsible for recruiting and the teams that are responsible for messaging, they don't have enough access to the training and experts that they need to make them really feel comfortable to get out there and gung-ho and do it. They're worried about tokenism. They're worried about a landmine. They're worried about stepping on a toe. So So the biggest mistake is not to arm your recruiting teams and your communications departments with experts in diversity, equity, and inclusion to help them be successful and to help diversify those departments. Right. I love that. You know, it's so true what you said. It's like, this is such a good decision. This is a good business decision. It's not just checking the box. It's like, these are things that will change the culture and the relationship that you have with the people that you work with. And it's for making you a better person too. I mean, we should all want to endeavor to do that. You know, Sharon, do you feel like CEOs by and large 
want to make a difference? Or do you think that it's just a box that they want to check off and just move on? You know, a lot of CEOs are under a lot of pressure right now, right? I mean, the pandemic has, has changed the way we work and they're, they're having trouble keeping employees and hiring. And like you mentioned earlier, it's really expensive to continue to hire. And um, what, do you, what do you think? Do you feel like there's that integrity there? So, but yes, CEOs by and large are taking on the challenge that the buck stops with them, not only for shareholder value, but um, retention, employee retention, you know, being a good corporate citizen, taking on causes like the, uh, you know, social justice, economic justice. They understand that the corporation is going to have to take a stand on the issues that are happening in this nation and in their own backyards. And many of them are prepared for it. And some of them are just still trying to make their way through it. But by and large, CEOs are really trying. They're juggling a lot, but they just going to have to make sure they have the experts and the leaderships to help them get it done because it really does stop with them. You know, they're the ones with the money. They're directing the money, directing the spend, you know, on the foundation sides, on the business sides, you know, where the lobbyists are being paid. It is a lot going on and CEOs have to just take on the on the on the charge. And many of them are doing so. And we'll get there. They'll get there. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Well, with you around, I'm I'm even more hopeful. If we could just, you know, multiply you sharing by a thousand for uh for someone who's watching and maybe they're saying, well, I don't know, Sharon, I only have like my company's small. There's only like three of us, right? Or maybe there's two of us. Maybe it's only one of us. What can I do as a smaller business owner or if someone who's thinking about starting their own business, what can I do to really embrace the importance of inclusion for my business? You started right off the top. You know, if you are starting your business or you're in a business or you're small, one to 10 employees, 20 to 30, 100, 200, 300, not a major corporation. The main thing is you have a clean slate, honey. You got a blank canvas and you can get this thing right, right off the bat. And the most important thing is that you're asking the question, what is it that I need to do to make sure that I create an inclusive workforce, even if it's of one or of two? What is it that I need to do to make sure that I am inviting all consumers uh, to buy my product or participate in my service? What do I need to do? And the most important thing to do is to ask the question. A lot of times we don't always know the answers, Winnie, but if we can ask the question, somebody will be able to help us with that answer. And those companies just need to inquire, gain ex experts, talking to friends, making new friends, you know, obviously researching and doing the things that they need to do to get access to the answers so they can start right. Employee research groups are awesome. And I'm so glad that you told that story because it's an awesome thing for retention inside of organizations. And they're a great recruiting tool because they're responsible really for development and engagement and advocacy, making sure that the company is being held accountable. But you, even if you're a small corporation, a small organization, you can create a sense of belonging by giving people that freedom of being able to form those groups and have those conversations, whether they're lunch and learns, if you're a small organization, you know, or a speaker, community speaker every now and then. You see, we want to know that you care and we want access to what you have access to. 
And when you talk about when you're giving financial services and financial advice, it's one of the best gifts a corporation can do is to make sure that all employees have access to know what it is they don't know, especially employees of color. Remember, we just, like you shared, we just didn't grow up talking about money at the kitchen table. My dad was so worried about money when he got that paycheck on the day that the mortgage was due, he wouldn't even give the money to my mom. He would say, Sharon Lynn, he called me by my first and middle name. We are getting into the car. And I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember, but there used to be a coupon book, coupon book that you tear off and you, you know, it's January, it's February, right? And it's due on the 5th and you mark, take that coupon book, you tear it, you rip it off. And you, that coupon, you rip off the coupon for the month, you rate the check. And my dad, he would physically put me in the car and we would go down to Gateway National Bank in St. Louis, Missouri. And we would give the check, the mortgage payment to the banker, Bob, because he was so afraid of being homeless because he had never had owned his own home. And he wanted to make sure that that mortgage got paid and he wasn't trusting it to my mom. He gave her all the rest of the money. though. <laughs> How? Sharon, how an amazing story, you know, and what an impact that makes for you to remember. So you didn't want to lose a mortgage and you definitely didn't want to lose your pennies too. And those things, those experiences stick with you, Sharon. Goodness gracious, what a gift you are, Sharon. And if you don't mind, I'd love if you could take a moment to share with us where can we go for more questions, right? We need this brain trust of the questions so that we know how to get to the answer, Sharon. Where do we go? Thank you so much for asking, uh, Winnie. Everybody can just log on to getrmg.com. I mean, you can also follow me pretty easily on social media, me personally, at Boldly Sharon on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm also on LinkedIn uh, at Sharon Smith Akinsanya. Wow, what an incredible episode with Sharon. I love that. Learned so much and it really got me thinking. And I want to share this quote with you, my favorite Sharon quote, and that is, we can do better when we all do better. Perfectly said, Sharon. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate and review us. It helps us out so much. And if you could follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, I'd love to connect with you there. For myself and the team here at Yes Factor, we want to say a special thank you to you for listening in. We'll be back again next Wednesday, so definitely stay tuned for our very next episode. Take care now.